Praise God. You may be seated this morning. If you are watching us this morning on online, Facebook or theantioch.com or live stream, we so thank you for being a part of this morning and watching us. Or if you're watching us on demand, thank you for taking the time to participate in what God is doing. Amen. We are a blessed group of people and we are excited about what God is doing and what God is going to be doing. If you weren't here at the 945, thank you for all of you that came at 945. Thank you for being here and being a part of that and knowing what's going on. And uh, I apologize that I spit so much information out so quickly. And I know the more excited I get, the faster I talk. And so I'm sure some of that was lost in translation. But uh, we will be circling back around and uh, you'll be getting more information on that as we go forward to best serve you as we move forward. You will notice again, for those of you that weren't here at the 945, we have two brand new kiosks in the back. One says unlocking the Bible. The other says next step. If you don't know what those are, stop by and find out what they are. Uh, beginning next week, we will have the man, correct? And so we will have information back there for you. And then if you noticed, when you came in, we have a brand new welcome kiosk. That's beautiful. And we are trying to uh, move forward and do some awesome things to help further uh, what God is doing. Uh, God does his part, but we've got to do our part. Amen. We hold God to his part. We very rarely want to talk about our part. Well, God, you didn't do. Yeah, but what did you do? Right? Uh, so we are excited about everything that's going on. And if you weren't here for 945, I encourage you to make sure you get the information for that so that you know what's going on and you can participate in what God is doing because I promise you, you're not going to want to be left behind in all of this because it's going to help you become uh, a disciple of Jesus Christ but also a disciple maker. And we're excited uh, about all of that is going on. Praise God. I want to continue today and um, with the series we started last week about the movement. Um, and just a recap for last week, we started with our first uh, first of the series that we're going to be doing in September called The Movement. Last week, we talked about the idea that we have to be involved in a cause that's bigger than ourselves. That we need to invest ourselves into something that goes beyond the boundaries of our own skin. That we have to invest in a cause bigger than ourselves. We use the idea that David, when he went to the battlefield and stood and looked across the valley and saw standing before him a giant with all the intimidation factor that that must have brought to that young 17-year-old boy as that giant spewed threatenings and spewed ideas and and blasphemed God and 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 attacked the people of God. And then David, when he got there, looked around and saw the other soldiers that were there and saw the other uh, people that were cowering, um, looked around and said to his brother when he was sort of challenged by why are you here, he looked at his brother and he made the statement, is there not a cause? You see, the cause causes us to change the way we act. If we don't understand the cause, we kind of get into that mentality a lot like the soldiers 
that were there that day, we kind of get into the attitude where we want to hunker down and just worry about our own safety. Let's not face the giant because he may kill us. Let's just hope we can survive this. But then there's a whole other group that sees a cause that's bigger than themselves. That, to, that, that day that David stood on that field, it wasn't a cause of a champion so that David could make himself known in Israel. David stood out there because the cause was there's a God that's bigger than all of us. There's a God that's bigger than me. There's a God that's bigger than my brothers. There's a God that's bigger than the army of Israel. There's a God. And you may come with me with a sword and a sling, but I come to you in the name. And so David stood there and made those actions because of a call. So I want to take that a little more. We're going to use that as sort of our foundation that we cannot move or be a part of a movement or have personal movement without a cause. There's got to be a cause. There's got to be a why. Remember, we've said this numerous times now in the last number of months that God is some, is more concerned a lot about more about your why than your what. We have focused so much on the what that we have lost focus of the why. We focus of the what of the what is come to church, but we don't focus on the why do we come to a gathering. And so we come and participate in the what, but we don't see the benefit of it because we don't understand the why. When you don't understand the why, worship just seems like entertainment. Well, here goes another song. Or we sit back when we understand the what. We go, I like that song. Don't like that song. Oh, I'm a person of destiny. I like that. Tap my feet feels good. Oh, Jesus, the most beautiful. That's too slow for me. I don't understand the, the why. I'm focused on the what. And so uh, we we understand that there's a cause. Movement begins with a cause. The movement that we're trying to enhance, we're trying to make calls in our uh, selves as individuals in a body has to begin with a cause. But I want to go a little further today and talk to you about alignment and assignment. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, alignment and assignment. Alignment and assignment. I want to draw your attention to several scriptures here that I want to lay with a foundation with. And then later on as we go through this today, we'll circle back around and we'll get a little more detailed in what these are. But let's focus on several scriptures sort of as the kind of the context of where we're going to go. James chapter 4, James 4 verse number 7 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Those of you that were here for the Unlocking the Bible, when we discussed this, you will notice that we love the resisting the devil. We forget to resist the devil. I first have to submit to God. Those are not a continuous sentence. It's one command followed by the result of that command. Submit to God. And if you submit to God, you can resist the devil. Verse number eight. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. John chapter 14, verse number 12 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater, everybody say greater. Greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And finally, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let not your gentleness be known. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God. 
That's a whole message right there in itself. And let the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Notice this really quickly, not where we're going today, but can I just throw this out there? Notice the heart and mind thing we talked about in Anatomy Disciple. What covers that? We just read it. What covers all that? We just said it. Thank you, my Lord. I know it's not on the screen, and you don't have a Bible, but you can, I mean, the peace of God covers our heart and mind. So if you want to be a disciple, you've got to learn to walk in peace. And guess what? Trust me, and this is a whole other subject for a whole other day. Walking in peace never minds up with what your mind thinks. And number eight, verse eight is this. I want to focus here, verse eight. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate, think on these things. So I want to talk to you today, those kind of verses in a, in a series here are talking about alignment and assignment. Notice this. We read in James chapter 4, verse number 8, it says this. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Notice in this verse right here, we just put up on the screen so you know that I'm not making it up. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. In this verse is a promise and a process. In this verse, there's both a promise and a process. Point number one today, ready? God loves process almost as much as he likes promise. I knew I would get a lot of amens. Thank you, Brother Fowler, for making me feel better. God loves process almost as much as he likes promise. We love promise, but we hate process. You don't have to say amen for me to believe it's true. I trust me. I talk to enough of y'all to know you love the promise. You don't like the process. We want to get to the promise without going through the process. And if I stood here today and I preached about what the promises of God are in our lives, I could get you on your feet in about 10 seconds. If I preached that God is with you, God is never going to leave you. Whatever you're going through, God's got your back. And I could get you going about the promise. And you would be, yes, but if I talk about the process... All of a sudden, everyone just gets tight. We don't want to hear that. Wait a minute. I want the promise. And God says, well, what about the promise? Process. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. The promise is, I will draw near to you. The process is, you've got to first start drawing near to me. And the idea is, wait a minute. Here's the idea, right? But God, don't you know what I'm going through? God, don't you love me? God, don't you see me down here? And he says, yes, I do. But the process is, you've got to start walking to me. So there's a promise. We love promise. We don't like process. I saw a t-shirt. I didn't buy it. I just thought it was hilarious. I wanted to buy it, but I didn't. It says, I don't like biceps, but I like bagels. And the idea is, 
We understand that to exercise or to get biceps, it causes a process. Bagels, that's a promise. You taste this good, right? It says, I don't like biceps. I like bagels. I thought that was quite clever. So here we go. Ready? We all need to realize that one, that, that the one, the only other side, let me get this out here for a second. I'm, I'm getting excited, getting ahead of myself. We have to realize this, that the only other side of process is promise. I can't experience promise without first experiencing the process. Do you know why some of us, we hear things about God and we go, yeah, that, that sounds good, but it just doesn't work for me, preacher. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but it, it doesn't work for me. You know why? It doesn't work, it work for you because you're not working it. People say, faith doesn't work. That's because you're not working it. Prayer doesn't work. That's because you're not working it. You got to work it to work, to make it work. And a lot of us don't understand and why we don't see the promises of God or things of God manifest in our life because we're not willing to go through the process to see God do what's necessary in my life. If you look at the Bible, there are hundreds of promises in the Bible. God says, if you do this, I will do this. However, for some reason, we skip all the if you do, and we get to God. And then we look at God and say, but God, you said in your word you would do X, Y, Z. And God says, yeah, but I first ask you to do this. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, God. But you told me you would supply all my needs. You told me you would be there with me. He said, yeah, but I also told you, seek ye first the kingdom and its righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I want the adding without the seeking. Notice this. I'm going to read this really quick. It's a little long here, but just give me a second. Exodus 29. I want you to look at this sort of the intricacy of this. Exodus 29 verse 38 says this, Now this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar, two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. The one lamb you will offer in the morning, the other lamb you will offer in the evening. And with the one lamb, a tenth of flour, mingled with a fourth part of hen, of beaten oil, and a fourth part of hen of wine, for drink offering. And the other lamb shalt offer in the evening, and you shalt thereto according to the meat offering in the morning, according to the drink offering thereof, according to sweet savor, offering made by fire unto the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord where I will meet you to speak there unto thee. And there, now we get to the part, and there I will meet you, meet the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by the glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle, the congregation, and the altar. I will sanctify all, both Aaron and his sons, and administer to me in the priest's office. And I will dwell among the children of Israel, and will be their God. Can you put that up there? Put uh, Exodus 29.45. Watch this. This is how we work. We work. This is how we operate. Exodus 29, 45. If we can put that up there for me really quickly. Because I want you to see this. This is how we would interpret this scripture. We would put up there Exodus 29, 45. And it says this. And I will dwell among your children of Israel. And I will be your God. And that's like, yes. 
Look at that. He told us he's going to dwell among us. He's going to be our God. We're his children. Man, we've got it. And you're like, yeah. Woo. God's our God and we're his children. I'm a child of the king. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm a child of the king. But we forget the condition of verse 45 came from the fact that you followed the necessary steps in the process and you did not deviate from them. Bob, you know what, God? I, look, I, look, this is awesome. Can I just give you one lamb? And God, listen, I don't want to kill it. It's a good lamb. Can I just bring it to you, show it, and then take it back? But God, you promised, and this is what we would do. But God, I brought you and showed you my lamb. You told me you would dwell among me. He goes, wait a minute. Did you do your part? I'm not, I'm not expecting an amen today because too many of you, by saying amen, you're going to indict yourself. <laughs> Plead the fifth quick in this. And so we want to get mad and frustrated with God. And then we want to say, none of this works. And God's saying, it will work if you work it. But we want to skip all of our part and the necessary things we need to do. And we want to hold God over the fire and say, God, but you're not doing your part. You know what? There are some promises in the Bible nobody wants to celebrate. We talk about, you know, God's with you. He's going to dwell. I got a promise. In this world, you shall have tribulation. I've never never said that. And people jumped up and go, yeah, Woo, praise God. I got some problems. That's a promise. We want God to forget that promise. We want him to keep all the good promises. In this world, you shall have tribulation. No, 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 God. You, that was a mis, misquote. You didn't mean that. You meant that for everybody else, not me. We've got an arrangement. My life is supposed to be perfect. You're supposed to make all my troubles go away. But the thankful part about that is, it's a promise, but there's another side of the promise. In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now in that whole statement, there's something that has to be understood. He's overcome the world, not you. He overcame. So the only way I can overcome is through him. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. So why is it important here? And we're getting here. I'm, I'm, I need to speed up because I don't want to take too long today because I want to get to the point. Why is this important? Why are we talking about God's part, my part? Why is it important that the promises in the process It's because of this? Alignment determines assignment. Alignment determines assignment. We're talking about movement. We're talking about being part of a movement, creating movement. But here's the problem. Why we don't understand movement is because we don't understand alignment. And movement outside of alignment is movement done in the flesh. And movement without assignment creates chaos. So when we talk about movement, and you're like, okay, I understand that preacher. Okay, I understand the cause. Now you get all pumped up. Yes! 
But notice, David understood his assignment because he stopped as a shepherd boy and got in alignment. When David got on that battlefield that day and stepped before that, that Goliath, he didn't say, now God, um, I don't really know what I'm doing, but if you really could help me out of this jam, I'd really appreciate it. He understood what God was able to do because he had been in alignment with him. David was willing to do the small things, the little things, the daily things to keep himself in alignment because when he knew there was a time if I can keep myself in the right alignment that God is going to allow me and open up the door for me to step into my assignment. I mean, several, several years, just been several years ago, but I was driving on 50. And some of you don't know this, but uh, across the Bay Bridge, there's quite a few... Uh, diplomatic sites and other probably undisclosed locations that probably all of us don't want to know that's there, that's right across the bridge. And so a lot of times there's transportation that goes back and forth on 50. And so I believe, I was, I don't know where I was going, I was going somewhere on 50, and I'm just sort of humming along in my own little world, and next thing I know, I'm just in the middle lane, there's no really no cars on the road, I'm just, and I'm, you know, I wasn't, Where's Chris? How you say? Don't don't tell him me. Brother Heights, a former trooper, and he can call his buddies up. I wasn't driving slow. I was going above the speed limit, but I wasn't exactly like blazing a trail. I won't tell you exactly how long fast I was going. And I'm just driving along, and I don't even know what I was doing. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, there were three SUVs that came rolling by me, all blacked out, government plates on them. And they were rolling by me. And I thought, man, I wonder if they realized I could slip right up behind them. How cool would, I don't think it would last, but it would be cool if I could just slip up right behind that last little fella, got a little slipstream, got, got in the pocket, and, and just got it tucked up underneath of him and just rolled with him. Because you know what? If I could have got in, now, now this is illegal, I'm not suggesting you do this. But outside of alignment with those three cars, my car had the ability to do the same speed their car did. Their car wasn't even better. My car could do it. But I was not in alignment with them. And therefore, because I wasn't in alignment, I had no authority. Because I was out of alignment... Their authority did not transfer to me. Now, if they would have been friendly and stopped beside me and said, Hey, buddy, you want to go for a thrill ride? Get in line. Nobody would have questioned what is he doing in line because they would have seen he has the authority to go where he's going because he's in alignment with this band that has the authority. Nobody's going to stop me and say, What are you doing? As long as I stay in alignment with those who have the authority. So here's the point, right? We all see what's able to happen, but yet we're not willing to put ourselves in alignment that's necessary to see the fruit of what God's trying to do. And without alignment, we cannot experience God's proper assignment. Because what did the Bible say? We read it, John 14, verse 12. He said, the things that I do, greater things... Because I go to my, my father. 
This is a promise by Jesus Christ himself that he will do great things in you and for you. But the problem is, most of us today write ourselves right out of God's plan. Because we look at that scripture, and i got to be honest with you, I find very few people that are truly able to believe that scripture. And if you tell me you believe it, I'm a question if you really believe it. Because i got to be honest with you. Very few people believe the scripture, John 14, 12. We're going to do greater things than Jesus. Because we look at ourselves and we look at Jesus and we go, there's no way I'm even close to that. And it's sort of like we talked about last week. We look at the fact we can't swim. Remember the story I told last week? The guy jumps in to save the girl. He saves the girl, but we didn't even realize that in fact he jumped in in spite of the fact he couldn't even swim. But the, the cause was so great, he was able to reach past his perceived limitations. We look at our limitations. We look at the fact there's no way. I remember, i got to be honest with you, and, and some of you were there. I remember, and we, we, our bishop is a very powerful man of God, a tremendous student of the Word of God. I remember hearing the bishop, he talked, he to come and say, you know what, God woke me up at 3.30 in the morning and talked to me for four hours. And he's like, he got to 17,000 tweets, 800 Facebook pages, and 950 million pages of notes. I'm like, is God even up at 3.30 in the morning? And I'm like, I'm like, and this is me, right? And I, I know none of you like this. I'm like, you know what? I'm going I'm to be like, I got to get up. So I set my alarm, not at 3.30. I ain't Jesus being Jesus. I'm not Jesus. Can I? So I'm like, okay. I remember, this is the truth, right? So we had several years ago, this has been a while back, we had a guy come through that said early morning prayer. If you're not praying early in the morning, you might as well just skip prayer because prayer after a certain amount of time is no good. So we were like, oh my God, I got to pray early in the morning. I am not a morning person. I love all of y'all. I'm going to pick on her for a minute. My wife, she loves to talk, get up in the morning. She wants to talk. I'm like, five minutes. I need five minutes, baby. I need five minutes. I will be engaged. I will give you all of my attention. I will give you all of me. It's just going to have to take a minute. i got to get alignment before I can understand the assignment. <laughs> so I'm like, God, he said, you know, you got to get up at this important time because, you know, if you don't get up this time and get yourself aligned with God, then you know what? Uh, you, you're going to be missing out because according to them, and God bless you if you're watching today, my dear brother, I don't really believe you and agree with you anymore scripturally because he said that angels get their orders at this particular time. I'm like, what if I'm on an airplane and I switch time zones? Are they going, oh, oh, Delta's late today. Jesus, what are we supposed to do yet? Because Delta's late. I don't know what time zone. I mean, come on. So, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to be obedient man of God. I want to try it. So I'm like, like 4.30 in the morning, whatever it was, I got up. And you, because you couldn't pray at home, it didn't count. Not only had to get up, you had to pray at church. Because God forbid you did it at home. Because Jesus doesn't work at home. He only works at church. So here I am, 4.30 in the morning, putting my clothes on, going to church at 4.30. I remember for the first day, (laughs) literally, (laughs) I remember the first day I got there and I got a few, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I remember I, I walked around just to keep myself awake. I'm asking y'all to forgive me before I tell you the second part of the story right now. Don't think anything less of me when I tell you. So I'm like, 
forget this. So, I can't even believe I'm telling this publicly. So I'm like, mm-hmm, I know how this is. This was back in the old sanctuary when we had two balconies. If you don't remember, our old sanctuary before it collapsed, where we all came from, it was a long building that had two balconies, and you could kind of get up in the, one of the balconies, and you couldn't see. So I'm like, mm-hmm, I know how it is. So I would get there 4.30 in the morning. I'd walk around two or three times so everyone knew I was there. <laughs> You know where I'm going. Then I go up into the balcony, lay down, set my alarm for an hour, take a nap, get back up, be like, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is good. Boy, it was powerful this morning. I am going straight to hell. I know it. After a while, like two weeks of that, I'm like, I'm just going to stay in bed. This is stupid. Who am I trying to impress? And you know what? I came to find out. Jesus actually talks to me all day long. And if I miss that divine hour of inspiration. And so guess what? I used to beat myself up. Because I would get up in the morning and I'd try to pray and I'm like. And if you ever want to try something challenging, try, trust me, you want to self-challenge, try to read the Bible in the morning when you're tired. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth it's painful and i remember i mean i know some of you are way spiritual to me some of you get up crack of dawn you and jesus are having a hoe down and i'm still asleep i get it but i used to beat myself up because i used to look at my and i know it's like well just get over it you're gonna have to discipline yourself to get up i'm not a morning person and i'll tell you how much i'm not a morning person i don't even get up early to do stuff i want to do so don't be knocking me saying, well, you don't get up for Jesus, but you get up. No, I don't. Brother Height asked me several weeks, several years ago, you want to go fishing? I'm like, okay. He's like, we got to get up at three in the morning. I'm like, so I'm trying to be a good friend. I'm like, I'll go. I got up at three in the morning. Go, what am I doing to my life? I haven't been fishing since. You want to go fishing about six o'clock at night? I'm in. Let's go. Let's go. I'm fishing. Don't be getting at three in the morning. But I used to beat myself up because I looked at my limitations and thought, well, there's no point. I'll never, I'm never going to grow in God. Because I'm never going to be able to do this. I can't do it like that. I can't be like the bishop at four in the morning getting something from God. If that's when God's going to talk, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to have it happen to me. And so you know what it made me feel like? I'm like, what's the point? I've, I honestly, and maybe none of you have ever done this. I really struggle thinking, man, what's wrong with you, Joel? Get your act together. And I battled with a lot of condemnation and a lot of self, just self, oh, I don't know, just self-worthlessness, if that's even the right term. Just feeling like, what is wrong with you? Get your act together. How can you get up and not give God all your time? Your, and I remember beating myself, and then I just remember, wait a minute. God, I'm asking you, if you want me to do that, I'm asking you to give me the grace. But if you don't give me the grace, help me 
do what you've called me to do. And guess what? It worked. Now, if you're early morning prayer, God bless you. I'm serious. If that's how you operate and you roll, then do it. But don't beat yourself up because you're not like other people. Don't hold yourself and say, well, I can't be like the bishop. You're right. You can't be like the bishop because God made you you. And so we look at ourselves, our perceived ideas that we can't do it because we don't have the ability to do it. And therefore we beat ourselves up thinking there's no way we're ever going to be able to do it. And guess what? We don't understand the difference between giftings and callings. The reason why we struggle is because we don't understand the difference between giftings and callings. And let me say the difference. Giftings are cultivated by practice. Callings are cultivated by prayer. Giftings are cultivated by practice. There are things that God gives you that are your giftings that you have to cultivate through trial and error. I got to be honest with you. I look back and see some of the times when I first started to minister and I'm embarrassed for myself. I told you a story. I remember the first time I preached out, I was invited to preach somewhere else. I was 18 years old. I got invited to preach in Connecticut at a church. I've never been invited back to, in case you're wondering (laughs) what an impact I made. (laughs) And I remember standing there the first time and I'm nervous and I'm shaking and I'm like, just get me through this. I remember, I tell you the story. The dude on the front row fell asleep so hard he fell over onto the pew. And I got to look back and remember thinking, you know what? I don't blame him. I should have fallen asleep too. That was terrible. And hopefully I'm not, I'm not, I'm not what I need to be, but I've gotten a little better. I'm at least, at least haven't had any, well, (laughs) nobody's fallen asleep yet. (laughs) A couple of you got some heavy eyes. But your gifting is cultivated through practice, but your calling is cultivated through prayer. Because I understand the gifting and calling and the need to be in alignment with God. So here we go. Ready? Look at this scripture here. Philippians. Let's get back to here and see. Uh, missed it here. Let's scroll back up. Philippians 4 says this. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, be a virtue, be any prayers worthy, think on these things. Now, for the next 10 minutes before I finish, and I mean that, I'm going to try to get this thing through in 10 minutes if I can, Jesus' name. I'm going to show you how to get yourself in alignment by the way you think. And again, I'm not talking about thinking positive thoughts. I'm thinking Godly, how God wants you to think. So the first thing you've got to do to get yourself in alignment, you ready? Very profound, you ready? Think good thoughts. You say, well, that's dumb. No, think good thoughts. And good thoughts here is there's only one good, no, not one, and the only good thing in me is Jesus Christ. So to think good thoughts is not to walk around thinking positive rainbow thoughts, happy thoughts, Mr. Rogers thoughts. That's not what we're talking about. To think good thoughts means your mind has to be governed by God because God is the only one that's good. If I don't let God help me change the way I think, 
I'll never be able to get myself in alignment because my mind and my flesh is constantly striving to get me out of alignment with God. Case in point, man, I'm going to have to hurry. Come here, God. God is here. I want to be in alignment with God, so God, come over here. We're going to walk together. And here's how, here, let me, let me just, let's, let's get this straight. Ready? Here's how we usually do this illustration. I've usually done it, but I'm going to change it for today because of it. This is how we usually do it. Come on, God. Let's walk together. That's wrong. Because if we're walking together, we'll equal partners. I'm not an equal partner with God. This is the way it should be. Where he leads me, I will follow. Come here, God. You're getting a little too happy there. Back it up, Jesus. I'm not ready to follow yet. I'm, I'm serenading. You're missing my big moment. Where he leads me. So it's not walking side by side. It's where he goes, I go. You ever, you ever gone across? Hold on, Jesus. Uh, have you ever gone, like, gone hiking with somebody or had the transverse, like a creek or something, and, and you, watch them as they walk, and they said, put your foot where I put my foot, because I want to make sure there's no loose stones or anything. And so you try to put your feet where they've placed their feet, because you know they've already secured that location, and it's safe for you to walk there. So when I am walking with God, and He is my, and my mind is in line with Him, where He goes, I go. But here's the problem. When I let my flesh and the adversary control my mind, here's what happens. I get out of alignment with him. And then I start trying to come back here for a second. So here's, I'm walking with him. Let's start back over here so we have a little more room. So take some steps and we're going to walk in alignment. Ready? So I walk in alignment. And then all of a sudden on Tuesday, I get this thought. You are just no good. You are just a worthless you know the things that you've done? If anyone ever finds out, all of a sudden, instead of staying in alignment with him, because in alignment with him, his blood flows through me. I'm, in, I'm walking in the blood and grace of Jesus. When I let that start, here we go, I start feeling. And all of a sudden, now, I'm out of alignment. God keeps walking. Go ahead, God, keep walking. And I look at God and go, oh, I want to help. I want to keep up. And I start walking and I'm walking, but I'm walking out of alignment. So now the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. But because I'm not in alignment, my steps are out of place. And so now every step I take is shaky. Every step I take, I don't know what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, I see God moving, and I'm trying to move, movement, i.e. movement, but now my movement seems uncertain. So eventually what I do is just say, forget that. Because if I stay here, I'll be secure. All of it happened because I got out of alignment with God, and I got out of alignment with God because I stopped letting God govern my mind. That's why some of you can literally step yourself out of a blessing simply by allowing the adversary and allowing your mind to be battled. So, number one, think good thoughts. Number two, think God thoughts. What does that mean? To think God thoughts is to think prayerful thoughts. You can't think like God thinks if you haven't spent time with God to know how he thinks. If I don't understand 
how God thinks by spending time with him. I'll never understand what he's capable of doing through me. It sounds like a fairy tale. It sounds like just something pie in the sky. Notice this. Einstein says this. Time and speed are relative to optic to the optics of who is doing the measuring. I'm going to get just a second here, but I'll get to a point. Time and speed are relative to the optics of who is doing the measuring. Let me, let me explain this. When you see a plane, it looks like it's going super slow. So if you look up in the sky and you see a plane, it's going really slow. When that, when in reality, that plane is probably moving somewhere around 400, 500 miles an hour. But because of your ability to see, the optics of that determines time and speed. And usually what that determines, sometimes what we see is not really what's going on. And later this, he says this, the faster you go, the slower time becomes. Because time and space are a constant and universal, but they are flexible and personal to the observer. What does that mean? It means this, I just turned 38. So my timeline started 38 years ago to me. 38 years ago to me. But God operates outside of my time and my space. He is not bound to the 38 years that Joe Wright has been on this earth. Because the Bible talks about that all things are are under him. And he's put all things under his feet. So even time and space are, are are in subject authority to God. What does that mean? Let's go back. I've used this before because this is important because I'm trying to help somebody get free from some of this stuff that's keeping you out of alignment. This is all about alignment and why you're not in alignment. Okay, day one, God created, let there be light, right? You heard me say this before, I'll do it again. Day one, God created light. We think, in our mind, God moves to day two. Day one is done, day two. Here's the problem. Because God is God God envelops all space and all time. If God moves out of day one, day one ceases to be. Now day two, God moves to day three. Because how we operate, day one and day two in the past, now we're on to day three. But if God moves to day three and out of day one and two, day one and day two cease to be. So the same day God's over here and day four, and then every day in day five, and then he gets to day six, and he's making man. He's still back over day one, saying, let there be light. He hasn't stopped proclaiming, let there be light, and moved on to day six. What does that mean? That means on your timeline, God doesn't see simply the moment you're in. God doesn't see and define you by the mistake you just made. Because God operates outside of all that. And so when God looks at you, He does not see you for where you are. He sees you for where He's made you to be. Because in Him, He's already there. You're stuck at day three. He's already at day six. So He knows what it takes to get you from day three to day six. If you stay in the process. But if you don't let His mind be upon you you can't stay in alignment and when you get out of alignment to him then you say well I'm only at day 3 I need to be at day 6 and what do you do you start trying to figure it out okay I need to do this and I got to fix this and I got to do that and if I had a better job a better wife a better life all that stuff starts to and I get myself out of alignment 
And the reason why we never experience true movement in our life where we really see the movement God has is because we see a cause. We got a cause. Okay, God got the cause. But we don't keep ourselves in alignment with Him and we don't keep ourselves in alignment with Him because we don't allow Him to govern our thoughts. And the third thing that has to govern our thoughts is gratitude. It's what we teach our kids. We teach our kids this. Your attitude of gratitude will determine how much stuff you get. Now don't, if that's not how you parent, that's between you and your kids. Because here's how we do it. If I give you something and your attitude is like, give it to me. I deserve it. It's mine. That's going to be the last thing you get for quite a while. Until you learn to appreciate. I got to be honest with you. This is probably a little too personal, but here it is. It's very hard for my wife and I to go into our child's room and to see something we know what it cost. We were there the day it was put The money was put to that. We know that was not $2. And we go in there and we see it against the wall like a bunch of pile of junk. And we look at them and you go, you don't even realize what you've got. And what that costs. And until you understand what you have, I'm not giving you anything else. But when you go to, let's be honest. If we go to them, you give them some and they're appreciative. Thank you. Thank you, mom. Thank you, dad. My mom, my, my wife, man, she, it's a mother's heart. She's like, Joe, let's go get him some more. <laughs> because there's something about gratitude. When you come to God and you're sort of like, okay, God, I've got a need. Hello? It's Sunday and I've been in need since this morning. I don't know what's going on with you, God, but I would appreciate you would speed up the process. And we've got our salvation. We've got his blood. We've got the cross over in the corner because it's just old news to us. And he goes, uh-uh. If you don't appreciate what I've got to this point, how can I give you more? Why is all this important? Because alignment determines assignment. Psalms 23 says... Though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I was thinking, was reading over that again the other day. It was a part of some a Bible reading plan I had. Psalms twenty three. It said, "Walk through the valley of the shadow of death," and it sort of hit me. What do I need to produce a shadow? You can't produce a shadow without light. So even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, and there's a shadow, there's got to be a light coming from somewhere. And there's only one. That's the light. He's the light. But it's amazing how we focus on the death part and not the light part. I know I stand up here and I try, I've tried and I, I finish with this. I'm literally done. I'm going to turn my pet off so you believe me. I, uh, I try to stand up here and be transparent, not because I am trying to be noble. I just try to be transparent because I want you to see that just because myself or someone else stands up here that doesn't make us better or somehow more spiritual. We're just as human. And I, and, uh, the struggle. 
I remember my wife and I were married for about two years. And uh, I remember in that process that uh, there were some things in my heart, in my heart that had been left there that had gone unchecked. And I remember we had just been married for a couple of years. I remember one particular moment in time that I wished it was something I could forget, but it's just stuck in my psyche. I remember coming home and finding my wife just absolutely in tears, pain and anguish. And it's a very sobering thing to know that you're the cause of that. Someone you love, someone you care about that you've caused pain. And there were some things in me that were in my heart that were causing me to hurt the people I loved. And I got to be honest with you. I found Jesus five years old, but I didn't need Jesus till I was 25 years old. There's a difference. You can find Jesus, but there's a difference when you need Jesus. I found Jesus at an early age. Four years and 10 months in the country of Malawi, God filled me with his spirit. A few months later, I was baptized. Some of you were there. Mother Lennon Camp was there. I remember Claire, her daughter, was there. She helped me get my baptismal robe on with my Smurf underwear. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's how we rolled. (laughs) Baptized with Smurfs. And uh, it was a very, it's a very tough thing. And I know a lot of you have been there. It's a tough thing when you sort of have to look at yourself in the mirror and realize that there's some things in you that you need to change. But then there's that other deep sinking feeling of hopelessness because you don't know how to change them. You know you need to change, but I just don't know how to change because if I'd have changed, I'd already done it. I wouldn't have waited to this long. I remember spending time just crying out to God going, God, help me, change me. And I always thought, you know what, I've got to stop doing this or don't do this or act like this. And I remember it just, it worked for a while, but just, it would just, it would go away. And there were times where I just, and I got to be honest with you, and I'm trying to finish, but I just have to, I have to feel like someone needs to hear this. I want to be as strong to say this, and I don't, not exaggerating. It got to a point I hated myself. sure some of you have been there with me. You look at yourself and you go, you are the biggest piece of whatever you know. You are just a, and forgive me, I know we're not supposed to talk about ourselves like that, but it was the fact. I mean, what a big piece of you are. Worthless, no good. And the battle that went through I remember in that process 
I say in that process, I think I'm still in that process. I don't think God's ever finished. I remember finally understanding the process of God starting to operate in my heart. And remember the process of God trying to bring my mind in alignment with him. To the point that I remember, I told you the story and I don't not go back through it again, but I, I remember the, 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 the third day that I spent living, thir- the third morning I woke up, it was two nights I guess after the second night, I woke up in my Jeep on a traffic, a truck stop after just absolutely feeling like I was going to lose my mind and I woke up in that moment and, and, and started to find God and the reason I started to find God is because I began to bring myself in alignment with him and all the way back to when I was 20, 25, whatever it was, I think it was 24, 25, somewhere like 26 and knowing that the reason I got to where I got because I would got myself in a line, out of alignment, wait a minute, I'd been going to church okay, let's just say what it is, okay I know you're all thinking it, so I'll help you, I'll say it not only why I got my, I was the preacher's kid I mean, everybody else could struggle, but I'm so... St- I mean, the preachers, get your act together, dude. I remember being just... That whole deal. Whole thing that God brought me through. But I stand here today... I, I, I think... I mean, I believe my wife would say this. I'm not putting words in her mouth. Stand here today. We just... 15 and a half years, married, three beautiful kids, happy, God is working, standing here before you wonderful, beautiful people. Never imagined today I would be standing here in this situation under these circumstances with what God has blessed us with here as a collective group. I look across here today and just amazed. I got to be honest with you, I'm being really transparent and probably too much. I am humbled every time I stand here because I see you and I know all of your, a lot of your stories and I grew up and you saw me this and yet you're willing to follow me from here. That is an extremely humbling and sobering thing. But I said all that to say, I don't believe I would be standing here today if I wouldn't have found the alignment necessary with God. I would not have gone and found movement in my life if I would not have aligned myself with him. The cause was always there. From the very beginning, I remember as a teenager, I remember I felt the cause. I knew there was a cause. I remember thinking, God, whatever you've got to do in me, I want to be a part of the cause. Yes, the cause. I remember going to youth camp and crying because the cause. But I would have never experienced the assignment if I would have never gotten alignment. I stand here today not as a fruit of who I am and so good and how wonderful I am and I'm just so awesome and wonderful. I can give you the list of all the things that disqualify me. You want to start? I just gave you some. I can give you more. I got a list. Trust me. You want to compare lists? We can go toe-to-toe with lists, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. Don't let the suit fool you. But I'm standing here today because I chose to get myself in alignment with God so that he could bring me into the proper assignment. 
Do you know why we've been doing all this discipleship stuff? Because discipleship is about bringing you in alignment with God. Bringing your heart in alignment, your mind in alignment, bringing your choices, your will, your character, your desires in alignment with God. Because if he brings you in alignment with him, then your assignment can become clear. Stand with me this morning. I'll stop. So you know what? Today, some of you, you're frustrated. Some of you are not understanding. Okay, brother, I I get this. I get the calls. I get all that. I get all this stuff. Okay, what's the big deal? I get that. But why is it not working? It's not working because you haven't brought yourself an alignment. But I come Sundays. What are you? What else do you want from me? What else does God want? I come Sundays. He doesn't want your church attendance. He wants you. He doesn't want your religious rituals of coming and going to the motion. He wants you. He wants you to bring yourself in alignment with Him. He wants to let your mind be governed by Him, by good thoughts, by godly thoughts, by thankful thoughts. And when you do that and you bring yourself in alignment with Him, the assignment that God has for each and every one of us, an assignment, Brother Tino, He has for us as a body becomes clear. I believe with all my heart and mind and strength and soul and everything else I can muster up that Antioch West is destined to be great. Antioch West is destined to be a beacon of light and in the darkness of the world. It's destined to be a Jesus station on the world, on this raging seas of the craziness of the world. I have no doubt about it that God's called you to be a part. God's called me to be a part. God's called us to work together to get this done. God's called us to be disciples. God's called us to move. God's called us to see great things but none of that is working if we're not in alignment with him it's got to start with my heart it's got to get in my mind I've got to become in alignment but when I get into alignment I can see his assignment and the moment I stop I start questioning the assignment why am I doing why am I here why isn't God using me why 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 that should be a tale to you you've gotten out of alignment and in order to find the assignment, I've got to got, get back in to the alignment. Can we just take just two minutes? And I know I've gone a little longer than I need, not usually do. And I apologize for taking the time, but I don't apologize for obeying the Holy Ghost. Right where you are, I want you to ask God, God, I, I don't know. Be honest with him. Say, Lord, I don't know how to get in alignment with you, but Lord, I want to get in alignment with you. Would you show me the process? Would you reveal to me the process? Would you show me the things in my life that I need to bring in alignment with you so that you can show me your assignment? Can you talk to tell Jesus that right now? Can you just ask him that? Come on, this is not just about a, a momentary reaction, but this is a this is something that should be in you that says, God, I know that there's some areas of my life that are out of alignment. I'm not talking about the fact, whoa, I gotta be a better person, I need to stop doing this. I'm not talking about all that stuff. Because if you get if I get in alignment with him, all that stuff will take care of itself. God, I pray right now you see every person in this room. You see what we're going through. You see our shortcomings. You see our good days. You see our bad days. You see our ups. You see our downs. You see our mountains. You see our valleys. I pray now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would give us the grace that is necessary that we can bring ourselves in alignment with you. Where you lead, we will follow. Where you go, we will go. 
the steps that you take, we will follow God. Let your thoughts become our thoughts. Let your mind become our mind. You said David was a man after your, your own heart because he sought to know your heart. God, I pray today that there'd be an, a, a fresh fire of hunger that would be released in us today to know you, to know your heart, and to get in alignment with you so that you can make clear the assignment that you've called us to be. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Let's just thank the Lord this morning. Can we do that? Can we thank him? He is worthy. Praise God.